in which Christ uh, is revealed uh, in our lives, in the course of our ordinary lives, how Christ is revealed, because that's what epiphany is, to reveal, to make known. And last Sunday, those of you who participated in our worship last Sunday, we established that baptism is an affirmation and a commissioning to serve God, and that it is through baptism that God called Jesus and all of us into action. And at the end of our worship service, if you remember, we had a beautiful baptismal font in front here, and you all came to not to uh, be baptized again because one baptism is sufficient, but to be reminded of that faithfulness and the commitment that you made many years ago and that your parents made in your behalf, and you recommitted yourself as you touched the water and touched your forehead. So it is a call to action. Also, uh, though God's call might not make sense at the time, if one stays in the game long enough, one will see that God has a plan and that you are important part of it and that you and I and together we are called to be more. Now, I don't know about you and how you feel about this, but being involved in ministry is the greatest thing that you can do with your life. You can ask Pastor Alley, many of yourself recognize this as well, that being in ministry is one of the greatest things that you can do with your life. There will be days in your life in ministry that you will just be able to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, and, and you'll say that because you have known to make a big difference in someone's life. You rejoice because you've been able to touch someone and make life breathe easier for that person. Maybe you visit someone at home. Maybe you visit someone in the hospital. Maybe you're teaching our children Bible stories. Perhaps you're singing with our choir. Uh, maybe you're serving in our nursery early in the mornings. Maybe you're helping in our kitchen, and we need helpers this week for Lighthouse to be able to work in the kitchen during hospitality time. Uh, maybe you just feel so encouraged that you want to share your faith with others, and you're constantly saying, I love it, I love it, and I really love it, because you know that you're making someone's life better. Then again, there are other times in your life that you'll say to yourself, what the heck am I doing? You know, no one is paying attention in my class. It's just maybe a few people that show up and these people don't appreciate what I'm trying to do and I feel like a total failure. Raise your hand if you're there. Yes, right? You're not alone. You're not alone. Isaiah lived through tough times too as he struggled to remain positive when it seems that all hell was breaking loose with trying to please the crowd and trying to please God. And he struggled with thoughts that his works were not good enough. Whatever he was doing, he felt that it's not good enough to please God and not good enough to bring healing to the Hebrew nation. And so he felt that defeat was nearby. And that's the background for our reading this Sunday morning. So let's turn then to the book of Isaiah, chapter 49. We're going to be reading the first seven verses. 
in Isaiah today. Listen for the word of God. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you people from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadows of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labor in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I, will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, the one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. May God bless to our experience and to our understanding the reading of God's Word. Let us pray. Creator God, you know the needs in our hearts, and surely you know the needs that we store up in our minds, and hard for us to share those, God, even with you. And yet you know them. And so God, in this season of Epiphany, as we remain aware and become enlightened by your light. We pray, God, that you will spark that light within us, that you will be the match to turn that candle within us to shine bright. And in doing so, Lord, that you will touch us in very special ways and that you will be able to draw us closer to one another. But most importantly, as you spark that light within us, that it will draw us closer to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In churches and in synagogues and in mosques, in schools and in houses of government, In community centers and union halls, the people of our nation gather this Monday, tomorrow, to honor the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King was not just a civil rights leader, though that would have been enough. He was a Christian minister who called us to build up the kingdom of God, by leading a nonviolent revolution of social change, whose words shape the history of our time. The walls of white supremacy could not withhold or withstand the reading of the gospel when proclaimed by Dr. King. 
Jim Crow laws, powerful and dehumanizing as they were, crumble when confronted with a weapon of love unleashed by Dr. King and those who participated in the civil rights movement and all of us today as we try to live into the dream of the beloved community. There is a theme that runs through the reading this morning, and that is the notion of being called, which begins with words about being set apart by God. In verse 1, we read, listen to me, pay attention, you people, the Lord called me. And this is a subject call in which I wish to focus the rest of our time this morning, particularly for us to pay attention as we are in the beginning of a new year. Martin Luther King Jr., like Isaiah, felt like a total failure, particularly when he began to realize that he might never come to see the results of his hard work. I'm going to play for you this morning a portion of his final speech that he delivered in Memphis back in April of 1968. I hope I have cued this right so that you can appreciate just a few words from that last speech. Let us listen to Dr. King. Powerful words. See this I call it the free stock experiment. Powerful words of Dr. King. From the start, Isaiah too knew that his calling was going to be a rough one. From the start, God tells him that nobody will listen to him. And as the years pass, Isaiah finds this to be an incredible burden to bear. We heard in verse 4, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain, and it has all been for nothing. His faithful preaching, his calling for the people to God, his teaching to explaining to them the way ahead, the way of God, all has fallen in deaf ears. 
Nobody seems to be paying attention. Nobody is listening. Different from Dr. King's experience, Isaiah is not subject to verbal or physical abuse. He is not being attacked or persecuted. It is worse. It is worse than that. Isaiah is being ignored and drowning in a sea of apathy. Nobody is listening to me. That's what Isaiah says. Nobody is listening to me, oh God. What's the point of all? I'm going to let you in in one of the hazards of life in the ministry, and that is that being called, being chosen, apparently doesn't mean being successful in the world's eyes or even in one's own eyes. Yet despite of your apparent failures, God is not finished with us. For out of these apparent failures, possibilities emerge that have world-shaping ramifications. On the eve of the impeachment proceedings, let me take this opportunity to remind us not to be discouraged, to stay engaged, and to not be complacent with all that we as a people have been able to achieve. To not be complacent of all that we as the church of the open hands aspire to be. In collaboration with our mission partners, we have accomplished so much in the history of this church. But we must recognize that there is more work for us to do. The quality of education for our children, including nutritious school meals. Address and correct the income inequalities between the wealthy and the poor. Eradicate racial bigotry. Eradicate gun violence and domestic violence. Climate change which threatens the existence of this planet. And in keeping with the spirit of the 218th General Assembly of the PCUSA, in keeping with that spirit, protecting voting rights. And if you have been reading and paying attention to the news, that is something that is being suppressed. Though much progress has been achieved, we need to continue to build bridges of cooperation and not retreat into our own secure bubbles. Do our lives in this moment of history serve God fully? If not, what changes can we make in what we do and how we act to better live out our Christian faith. Now, I don't want to put a damper on this special day that we are getting ready to celebrate or we're beginning to celebrate, but like Isaiah and Dr. King, the call to be more will often feel futile, pointless, perhaps even a waste of time and unrewarding. But wait. Because there is more. God says something quite extraordinary to Isaiah and to all of us 
2. And in verse 6, and I will then use the message translation, in verse 6 God says, but that's not a big enough job for my servant. Just to recover the tribes of Jacob, merely to round up the strays of Israel, God says that's not good enough. He goes on to say, I am setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation, my grace becomes global. The Reverend Dr. King hadn't come to Montgomery to be a civil rights crusader. If he had any ambition at all, it was to be a successful pastor of a big church. However, that was too small a thing for God had something greater in mind for Dr. King. God says, because of all the good things that you say and do in my name, I'm going to make you a light to my people. In other words, called to be more means not just to love and serve the ones who speak and look and eat and dress like you, but also to the ones who doesn't. Called to be more is an affirmation that you and I are called to do something far beyond our capacity to see. I want to illustrate as I close with the following story of two stonecutters. The first was asked by a passerby, what are you doing? And he answered, I'm cutting stone. The second was asked the same question, and he answered, building a cathedral. The second worker has something greater in mind. Our call is no different. We are called to be more, to do more than we think that we can do. And in the words of Dr. King, in the words of Dr. King, he said, we must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. Surely may be so for you as well as for me. Amen.